Well, praise God. How's everybody doing tonight? Come on. Happy Mother's Day, y'all, to all the moms. Look, can we just honor all of the moms in the room one more time? So thankful. And to the very best, mom, very, very best. You are incredible. We love you, Tiff, for real, for real. Y'all, we are actually continuing a series that we started a couple of weeks ago called The Names of God. Is anybody enjoying it? Come on. Praise God, two of you, okay? <laughs> I am actually loving it, and this is part four. We're actually going to be digging into Jehovah Jireh. That's the name, and it's going to be really good. If you have your Bibles, um, go ahead, whether it's electronic or paper or whatever it is, however you get your word, turn with me to the book of Matthew in chapter 6. Verse, we're going to start in verse 25. Before, before I get there, I was listening to a, a comedian and, and he, uh, he made the comment, he was like talking about uh, millennials and how millennials, he was like, man, people are giving millennials the dumbest names, right? And he was like, I met a guy, and I'm just going to tell it to you like I heard it, it's so funny. He's like, I met a guy the other day, and he was like, my name is Jathan. Jathan. He's like, not Nathan, not Jason, but Jathan, right? And he was talking about how names are important, and that's what we've been talking about, right? Names are important. In order to memorize names, he kept saying the guy's name over and over again. He was like, what's up, Jathan? You're really awesome, Jathan. You're so cool, Jathan. And then he would, and then the guy goes, bro, are you serious? <laughs> oh, God, okay, yeah, I laughed just as hard, so funny, but listen, names are important, guys, they really are important, and we talked a couple of weeks ago, I admitted that I am the worst at memorizing names, and, and so I do my very best to, like, put things in my phone to help me remember who they are and even where I met them, but can I, can I tell you something, can I be a little bit vulnerable, so Thursday night, I don't know what happened, but can I just be honest? Like Thursday night, I got hit with something. I wasn't sick, but I just got depressed. I'm just being flat out honest, and I'm not even belittling that phrase because what I'm not saying, you know, it was just heavy, right? It was heavy. Anybody that's ever struggled with depression knows that it can just come out of nowhere. And Thursday night, I mean, I'm just telling you, into Friday morning, I got up to take my kiddos to school, and I'm just you know, the phrase, you're not good enough, and, you know, this is, it just hit me, you know, and I literally, everything in me, you know, I, I am a confident, bold believer, so no matter how I feel, I am not going to let my emotions dictate what I do, I am going to do what's right and let my actions dictate my emotions, do you believe that, right, and so, I pushed through, and I went back to sleep. <laughs> I came home, and I went back to bed. Because sometimes, don't got to face it, just go to sleep, right? Sometimes just go to sleep. And so I went to sleep, and I woke up later that, that morning, and I really felt like the Lord said to me, the enemy doesn't want you to preach this message. And I, because I'm telling you, the thing that I was carrying is I wanted to preach a word. And I, how many of you know there's a difference between a sermon and a word? You can preach a sermon, you can study for a sermon, but God gives you the word, right? And, and what's awesome is we're going to break it down, but I, I, wanted, I sat there and I was like, man, why does the enemy not want me to preach this? And the Lord spoke to me and said, because he doesn't want people to be set free. Because the moment you're set free, now you have this unrelenting freedom and all of a sudden you're able to help others get free right because the enemy will do everything he can to stop you from being free 
Why? Because he doesn't want you to set other people free. He wants you to make as little of an impact on this world as, he po- as you possibly can. He wants to stop you in your tracks. He wants you to be born. He wants you to live a mundane, doesn't matter for anything life, and then he wants you to die, and that's it. And I'm telling you, Jesus has so much more for you than that. And I'm telling you, the enemy will do whatever he can. If you give him a reason, he'll give you, he'll give you an excuse. Did you hear me? If you give it to him, he will let, he'll, he'll do it. He'll give it to you. If you give him a reason, he'll give you an excuse. And I want to read this real quick, and then we're going to jump into it. Uh, tonight is a little bit more. We've been doing a lot of foundational and then getting into some things. I'm going to continue a little bit more with some foundational stuff because this series is incredible and it's super valuable. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25. It says this. Here is the bottom line. Everybody say bottom line. Do not worry about your life. Come on, somebody. Do not worry about your life. It says don't worry about what you will eat or what you will drink. Don't worry about how you will clothe your body. Living is, is about more than merely eating, and the body is about more than dressing up. Do you believe that? Verse 26, look at the birds in the sky. They do not store up food for the winter. They don't plant gardens. They do not sow or reap, and yet they are fed because, watch this, your heavenly Father feeds them. Did you hear me? Because your heavenly Father feeds them. And you are not even, or it says, and you are even more precious to him than a beautiful bird. If he looks after them, of course, somebody say, of course, he will look after you. Verse 27, worrying, watch this, does not do any good. Who here can claim to have added even an hour to his life by worrying? That's a good question, Jesus. Come on, keep asking questions, Jesus. Verse 28, watch this. It says, nor should you worry about clothes. Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They do not work or weave or sew, and yet their garments are stunning. Verse 29, even King Solomon, dressed in his most regal garb, was not as lovely as these lilies. And they are, sorry, and think about the grass, the grassy fields. The grasses that's right, grasses are, are here now, but they are dead in the winter. And yet God adores them so radiantly. How much more will he clothe you, you of little faith, have you no trust? I mean, Jesus is really getting on to him. we got a few more scriptures here. So do not consume, consume yourselves with the questions, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? Outsiders, this is so big, make themselves frantic over such questions. Watch this. They don't realize that your heavenly father knows exactly what you need. This is so good. And this is so big that we're going to tie it all in right here. All of that is incredible. Thank you, God, for taking care of me. Thank you, God, for promising that you will take care of me, that you will clothe me, that you will feed me. This is so big. Verse 33. Somebody say it with me. Seek first the kingdom of God. Here we go. And his righteousness, and then all these things will be given to you too. I'm going to read that one more time. Just hear it. Seek first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness. And then all these things will be given to you too. Verse 34. So don't worry about tomorrow so big. Let tomorrow worry about itself. Watch this. Living faithfully is a large enough task for today. So big. Tonight, I want to preach to you from the subject, Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. And y'all, we talked about it. We've been talking about it. Names are important, right? And especially in biblical times, when, when Jesus talked to, his name was Simon, and then he changed it from, what was it? It was shifting sand, Simon, to the rock, Peter, right? Jesus can change your name. I have, I have three points. We're going to get through them pretty quickly. Watch this. First one is this. His name is his character. And we've basically been saying this, but this is the foundational stuff here. His name is his character. Let me say it like this. If you know his names, then you know his character. If you know his names, then you know his character. And how many of you know that we are called to imitate the character of God? How many of you know that you are called to look more like Christ? Listen, if, if salvation was it and that was it, as soon as you got saved, the Lord would just take you up and you'd be done, right? But there's more work to do. We're not called to just get saved. We're called to imitate. We're not called to just get saved. We are called to imitate. Ephesians 5 verse 1 says this, imitate God. Somebody say imitate God. Therefore, in everything you do, in everything you do, so big, because you are his dear children. Verse 2, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. So what is, what is character, right? I, I love definitions. The word character means the mental and moral qualities distinctive to an individual. So, so like, for example, Jason, is, I am shy and quiet and a, an extreme introverted person. If somebody said that about me and you know me, that does not represent my character whatsoever, right? Exact opposite. Here's the crazy thing. There's a lot of people that are talking about God in a way that doesn't represent his character. And how do you know if the God that this person is talking about is not the God that, that you know and believe in, right? Because you learn and know his character. When you know his names, you know his character. When you know his names, you know his character. So study his names and learn his character. We say it all the time. Don't take my word for it. Look up Jehovah Jireh for yourself. Look it up for yourself. Get a concordance. Get a, a study Bible and learn it for yourself. Study his names and learn his character. Watch this. When you learn the character of Christ, then and only then can you start imitating Christ. Did you hear me? When you learn the character of Christ, then you can start imitating Christ. And listen, let me just say this. Not in a religious mindset, but out of a relationship mindset. Jesus said this. I want to show you the difference, right? The difference between a religious mindset and a relationship mindset. John 14, 24 says this. Anyone who, does, who doesn't love me will not obey me. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. If you're looking at this through a religious or legalistic mindset, 
you will read it like this. If you don't obey me, then you don't love me. If you don't obey me, and people preach this, y'all. They use that verse to go, if you don't obey Jesus, then you don't love him. He's either Lord of all or not Lord at all. Right? And, and it's, a, it's a balance here. But listen, this is the way that it actually is read. If you actually read the scripture, and this is looking at it through a relational mindset. I love Jesus. And out of my love for him, I obey him. It's not a legalistic thing. It's not something that someone is forcing you or, or you're going to be in trouble if you don't. God's up there with a sniper rifle waiting for you to mess up. Obey him and show him that you love him. No, 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 no. I love you, Jesus. And out of my love for you, I obey you. And I suffer for you. And I do what you've called me to do. But it's out of my love for you, you learn his character. How many of you know God is love? It doesn't say God is legalism. It says God is love. Listen to me. We are not called to be Christians. We are called to be disciples. Do you understand that? We are not called to be Christians. We are called to be disciples. When's the last time you heard someone, honestly heard someone say, I'm a disciple of Jesus? And there's nothing wrong. I'm not saying, let me, I put it this way. You can be a Christian without being a disciple. But you cannot be a disciple without being a Christian. I've said that before, and I feel like it went over this. People's heads the same way. Listen, let me say it again. You can be a Christian. You could give your life to Jesus. You could, you could ex- you accept what he did on the cross for you and never study and never learn and never become a disciple. Right? Being a Christian, all it takes is Jesus died for you. Accept it. Boom. I accept you. Thank you, Jesus, for the, the dude on the cross, the thief on the cross. He wasn't a disciple. He was a Christian. All he said was this, Lord, can I be with you in paradise? And Jesus was like, yeah, man, come on. He didn't get baptized. He didn't go through a program to get discipled. He didn't read the Bible. He just was a Christian. But how many of you know we are not called to just be Christians? We are called to be disciples. Do you believe that? Matthew 28, 19, it says this, therefore go. Somebody shout the word go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, teaching these new disciples to obey all my commandments I have given you. Watch this. And be sure of this. I am with you. Somebody say, he's with you. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's with you. Oh, that was horrible. Try it again. He's with you. That was better. That was better. Okay. Even to the end of the age. Do you know what my prayer is? Listen. My prayer is that America would experience an awakening that is beyond the, the four walls, that is beyond a, a service, that is beyond a, I checked it off, I went to church, that's beyond that. An awakening to the Spirit of God that brings revival to the broken and hurting, that brings revival, a refreshing to the people in this world that need it. Do you believe that? I am believing for an awakening. I'm believing for people to shake off almost that Christian shell and start taking on the, I am a disciple of Jesus. A disciple is more than a, a bunch of guys and girls that follow Jesus. It's way more than that. It's way, way more than that. So I was 
I used to work at uh, the Texas Roadhouse. I've, some of you know that. Some of you don't. And I'm telling you, first of all, I was not that good of a server. I tell people I'm a better servant than I am a server, okay? You got to remember stuff. I'm like, I don't remember nothing, okay? And then you got to do side work. I'm like, side work? Oh, my gosh, you know? Like, you want me to remember all of that? That's crazy, okay? And I'm like, ma'am, hold on. I want to write it down, okay? It's so difficult, right? But there was this, there was a woman there that I worked with that, man, I don't know what I did to her. You would think I like broke into her house, kicked her dog, and stole something from her because she just did not like me, right? Like just, the, you can ask Tiffany for no reason at all, just did not like me. And yeah, sketch, right? Because I'm sketch, right? Okay. But, but here's the crazy thing, right? So we were out to eat the other day, and one of the managers came up, and she was, she, we were just chit-chatting, and she goes, she goes, you know, why? I don't understand. Why doesn't she like you? And I'm like, I don't know. I have no idea why, right? I have no idea. And then it hit me. I didn't say this because it would have been super rude. But it hit me that it doesn't, it's not that she doesn't like me. She doesn't like what's in me. Listen to me. Hear this. When you are an intimate disciple of Jesus, you're going to walk into certain spaces, certain environments, and people are just going to hate you for no reason at all. And Jesus actually said it. They hated me, so why do you think they wouldn't hate you? But I just, the character of God, right? When you get around the character of God, all of a sudden, you start... You start acting like God. You start acting like Jesus, and it starts rubbing off. We tell people, we are Jesus with skin on. You start resembling Christ. You start imitating Christ, and people are set free, but then demonic forces are also pissed off, right? It's not the woman that hates me. It's what's in that woman that hates what's inside of me and inside of you. Listen to me. If you walk into a space where where demons are running around being nuts, demonic activity, and your spirit doesn't stir something up, you're going to start questioning what's going on with you. Can I be real? Is that too heavy? <laughs> That's the reality though, right? Like if, if something in you is not stirring up, something that's out there, then I would question, and we got to start working on it. It's all good. we got to work on it, okay? No big deal. Watch this. Acts chapter 4, verse 13, it says this. The members of the council were amazed by the boldness of Peter and John. They could see that they were ordinary men, no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. They saw Jesus on them. And they recognized that the character of God was on them. Now listen, I'm going to balance it real quick. Because I told my wife, I was like, there's lots of things that i got to balance tonight. Because I don't want anyone, because some of us, we're feeling condemned right now. And that's not my heart at all. Listen to me. I say this all the time, but I want you to tattoo it on yourself. It's really good. Jesus is looking for direction, not perfection. Don't really tattoo that on yourself, okay? Jesus is is looking for direction, not perfection. What does that mean? It means every day I'm trying as hard as I can to look a little more like him. I'm going to fall. I'm going to fail. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to blow it. I'm going to mess up. But I am choosing every single day. And some of y'all are crawling on the ground. And that's okay. Direction, 
not perfection. He said, well, you wouldn't walk up to a toddler who couldn't walk and go, get up. What's wrong with you? No, that would be horrible. <laughs> Some of y'all would do that, and you need to calm down, okay? But no, no, right? Jesus sees us in the same light. It's about direction, not perfection. Watch this, watch this. Our walk with Jesus, I want you to hear me say this, should look more like a victory than it does defeat. This is when, I'm telling you, this is where I struggle because I meet Christians. You know what, the, I'm just going to say it. When I was in the, working in the restaurant industry for a very short period, thank you, Jesus, that I do not. People hate believers, man. They do. And, and it's unfortunate because I'm not even throwing stones. But the reality is because in truth, believers are people and we all have hang-ups. We all have, we're all messed up, all of us, right? But I really believe that we've got a lot of Christians and not a lot of disciples. Did you hear me? We've got a ton of people who know how to act the part. We've got a ton of people who know how to respond in a, a message. We've got a ton of people who, who look like they have the part, but they're not walking in it. They're not truly walking in it. And my, my prayer is this. Listen to me. Let me just balance it again. I'm balancing it even more. I'm, what I'm not saying is that struggling in your life is defeat because that's not what I'm saying at all, right? But here's the question. Are we struggling because everyone struggles or are we struggling because we are trying to walk in our own desires? Are we struggling because we want to do what we want to do, right? The word doesn't say seek first your kingdom. See, everybody wants to go, yes, God, I claim the promise that you're going to take care of me. Yes, God, I claim the promise that you're going to clothe me and feed me. But not everybody wants to put his kingdom first. I know it got heavy. I'm not an angry elf, I promise. Because my prayer is, is that Christians, specifically in America, would stop playing the Christian game. Come on. And we would actually stand up and really truly start living this thing out. Why? Because when the world sees you, if we look just like the world, why would the world want to change? Does that make sense? Why would the world want to change? Let me say it like this. People who walk intimately with Jesus struggle differently than people who walk alone. And anybody in this room that has served Jesus for any period of time can tell you that that is a fact and that is true, right? We all struggle. Please don't hear that if you become a believer or you're starting to walk after God that you're not going to struggle because it is actually the opposite, my friend. And we're going to talk about that a little bit here in just a minute. But people who walk, somebody say intimately, that's important, right? People who walk intimately with Jesus struggle differently than people who walk alone. And I'm going to jump I'm going to jump into this, right? So the word the name Jehovah Jireh. You know what I found and I was actually surprised. Sorry all of you Bible scholars out there, but I found out that the name Jehovah Jireh is only said one time in all scripture. I was like I was like I'm going to look up all these different verses where that that phrase is at and just once. Awesome. I'm like cool and it's a great story. It's a great story. Genesis Chapter 22 and verse 9, before we jump into that, this story is about Abraham, right? And Abraham was promised a son. 
And man, like, like a lot of us, I've done it. We try to take that promise into our own hands. He wound up, you know, he wound up doing stuff that he shouldn't and, and basically gave birth to another child named Ishmael, right? Is that right, babe? Okay, Ishmael, right? And that was not the promise, right? The promise was that his wife, Sarah, would give birth to a son. And he, he pushed forward, right? Finally, his wife gets pregnant and he gives birth to Isaac, right? And verse 9, we're jumping up here, right? Actually, before that, let me just say this. For those of you that don't know, it's a pretty popular story, but, but God said, I want you to take your son and I want you to sacrifice your son as a burnt offering. And can you imagine, listen, can you imagine, the story's crazy, you should go back and read it, but can you imagine waiting all that time for this promise, and then the promise gets there, and then God goes, I want to see if I, if this promise is an idol over me. And he says, I want you to take your son, I want you to sacrifice your son as a burnt offering. Jumping at verse 9, it says this, when they arrived to the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the top of the altar. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. Verse 11, at that moment, an angel of the Lord appeared from heaven saying, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Verse 12, do or says, don't lay a hand on the boy. The angel said, do not hurt him in any way. For I know that you truly fear God and that you have not withheld anything from me, even your son, your only son. Verse 13, so crazy. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by his horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Verse 14, Abraham named that place, and the New, the new Living says Yahweh, Yaira, Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord, what? The Lord will provide. Listen to me. I'm, what's so crazy is it doesn't say the Lord provided. It didn't say the Lord did provide. What it said is the Lord will provide. It is a future tense promise. How many of you know that the Lord will provide? And some of y'all in this room want to jump out your seat because you've seen the Lord provide. Absolutely, he will provide. We talked about it. Jehovah Jireh means the Lord will provide. Listen to me. This is so big. Hear me. And, and know, please, please, please know that this is coming from a place of love. Listen, we want Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, but we don't always want Jehovah Jireh, the God who guides. Did you hear me? We want Jehovah Jireh. We want God. We want to be able to claim that promise, but we're not following the words that he has already put in his word. Do you believe that? And again, baby steps, right? Direction, not perfection. But the reality is, is I meet people every single day that, that I want to like lead them to Jesus. And they, I find out, oh, wow, they're actually a Christian. I'm like, whoa, well, your face needs to get the message too, man, because you don't look happy at all, right? Right? Some of y'all are like, that's me. Okay, calm down, everyone. Listen to me. I'm telling you, this is about to get really good. We've got two things here, two more points. Jehovah Jireh is personal. Turn to your neighbor and say he's personal. Jehovah Jireh is personal. Matthew 6, 31 says this. So do not consume yourselves with questions. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? Verse 32, outsiders make themselves frantic over, the, over such questions. 
They do not realize that your heavenly father knows exactly what you need. Look at me in the face, everybody. He knows exactly what you need. It's such a big deal. And notice, it's not always what we want. But he knows exactly what you need. And if you would trust the character of God, if you would trust the guiding, that's what I'm talking about. Everybody wants the God that provides, but not not everybody wants to listen to him guide you. Because sometimes the Lord will ask you to do things that are not always so comfortable, right? Anybody that served him, but I'm telling you, he'll take you through it, he will walk you through it, and he will provide every single thing that you need. Jehovah Jireh is personal. I once heard a a woman came up to me, and she was just so pumped. And she said, she goes, Jason, I want to tell you something. She's like, I prayed for myself for the first time yesterday. And I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I got like, wait, what? You prayed for yourself for the first time in your life yesterday. And she's like, yeah, I did. And I'm like, what? Like, why, why have you not prayed for yourself? And she's like, I don't know. I just have always felt like me praying for myself personally is selfish. <laughs> Listen to me. Jesus cares about you as an individual just as much as he cares about the continent of Africa. It's okay to pray for you. It's okay to pray for your family. It's okay to pray for yourself personally. Why? Because Jehovah Jireh provides for you personally. Do you believe that tonight? Jehovah Jireh provides for you personally. Matthew 6, 30, it says this, And think of the grassy fields. The grasses are here now, but they are dead by winter. And yet God adorns them so radiantly. How much more will he clothe you You of little faith, you have no trust. Well, we're full of Texas Roadhouse stories tonight, right? So I was was actually, and some of you all have heard this story, but I'm going to share it again because it really is so powerful. But Tiffany and I, we moved here a little over two years ago, right? And when, when we first moved here, we spent about 10 months building our launch team and just meeting people in sketchy parking lots. Paul, <laughs> I, he's the first person I met, and I bought a guitar stand off of him at like 1230 at night. It was, <laughs> he was never, he was never going to play bass again, but God, come on, somebody, but God, right? I was, I was driving to work one morning, and Tiffany calls me, and she says, she goes, babe, not to freak you out, but all we need is $800. I need you to make $800 today. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, like, phew, there you go, okay. <laughs> $800, and I'm like, sure, babe, whatever. Well, so I go to work, and, you know, I'm, I'm working, and I get to one, it's like halfway through my day, and I get to a table, there's a, a gentleman and, and his son, and, and, you know, I'm serving them, and they're enjoying their meal, and I'm doing a great job serving them. <laughs> yeah, and so I come back, and he goes, he goes, hey, hey, real quick, and I gave him the check, and he goes, he wrote on the check, and he goes, this is your tip, and it was a great tip. It was like 50 bucks, right? I was like, I mean, anybody that served is like 50 bucks. That's a great tip, right? And so I was like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. Like, I can't express my gratitude enough, and he goes, no, no, he goes, hold on. He goes, that's your tip. And then he pulls out an envelope, and he goes, this is for your family. And in that envelope, y'all, 
was seven $100 bills. And I'm telling you, it's such a big deal because my wife and I are not making money at all, like at all. I don't know how we're surviving. It's just insane. But we are still giving. We're still being faithful with our tithe. We're still giving. We don't even have the money, but guess what? 10% yours. Let's figure it out with the rest. You might not be making it, but God. Absolutely. And I just lose it in this, in this, uh, in this restaurant. I am like trying to contain myself. I am just losing it. And, and I'm just telling you, it's so crazy, right? So 700 bucks, the guy just blesses me. My last table of the night, I walked up to the table and, you know, usually I would, you know, I'm trying to get people to join our team. So I'm like, hey, curious, do you all go to church anywhere here in Knoxville? And the lady's like, no, we don't. We don't even live here. And I'm like, oh, cool. And I tell her our story and we're engaging back and forth. I come back to bring him the check at the end of the meal. And this woman is weeping at her table. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, did something happen, you know? And she goes, she goes, no. She goes, listen, your story impacted me on such a level that I feel like I'm supposed to give you this. And the woman pulls out a gift card for $100 and gives it to me. That day, I made nearly $1,000. Guys, listen, it's, it's unbelievable, y'all. It's unbelievable. And glory to God, the reality is, is there may not be a way. But with Jesus, there is always a way. Why? Because he cares about you personally. He cares about you personally. I have a thousand stories of the Lord like literally sharing things with me that don't matter at all. Why? Because he cares about me personally. He cares about you personally. Listen, he wants to take care of us personally. Some of y'all have lived within what I would consider legalistic or religious environments that it just constantly feels like he's more like of a, it's more of a boxing match than it is a relationship. Can I tell you tonight, listen, he cares about you personally. And he wants to take care of you personally. When people say, why would you pray for that? God doesn't care about that. Yes, he does. Why? Because he cares about you personally. Do you believe that tonight? He cares about you personally. This is why it's so important. Learn the character of God, and then you learn, or you learn the names of God, and you learn the character of God. Let me just say this. This is so big. Hear this, and then we're going to jump to the second point here, or third point. When you get to know Jesus personally, you begin to desire, or you begin to desire the things that he desires. This is why scripture literally says, ask for anything in my name, and I'll give it to you. That is in the light of your will lines up with his will, right? And what happens is the more you serve Jesus, the more you learn the character of God, the more time you spend with him, all of a sudden your heart starts to beat within the rhythm of his heart. That's really fast, probably slower, right? But your heart starts to beat in the same rhythm of his heart. Your heart starts to care and desire and to detest the things that he desires and cares about and detests. Do you believe that? Your heart starts to, starts to beat with him. And then all of a sudden, you start asking for things that are God's will. How many of you know if it's his will, he'll do it? Do you believe that? And he will provide. The whole like where he guides, he provides, it's cheesy, but it's true, y'all. 
where he guides, he provides. Listen to this. Provision, and I talked about this a little bit ago, but provision is not always giving us what we want, but what we need. Provision is, is not just about giving us what we want, but, we, but what we need. And Brianna, if you want to jump up on the keys, you can. And here's, here's my third point. I have a story, and then we're going to close. Jehovah Jireh is purposeful. His provision is purposeful. Why, why did God put it on that man's heart to bless us? Because we are walking in God's purpose for our lives. Uh, we've, had, we've had people give us probably close to $40,000 in church gear out of the blue. Because we needed it, right? And we were walking in his purpose and what he was calling us to do. And so he provided for us because it is purposeful. Do you believe that? I think I may have, I may have shared this story, but, and I don't know who this is for, but I want you to hear me say this. I felt led to say it. Sometimes God may withhold something from us, not because he can't provide it, but because whatever that is may hinder our spiritual, spiritual growth and lead us away from him. Look at me. What good is a raise in a job if it takes you away from your family? Something, you know, when people say, um, if it's good, it's God. And I, I believe that, but with a, a shift, right? Defining what good is. Because what, what God defines as good is not always what the world defines as good. Right? That, that woman may, might make you feel good, but she's not your wife. Did you hear me? That dude might make you feel good, but he's not your husband. Just because it's good doesn't always mean that it's God. Well, my wife and I were youth pastors in California, and I think I've shared some of this story, but listen to me. Have you ever heard the country song, Thank God for Unanswered Prayers? <laughs> I don't even know who, <laughs> I don't even know who that is, but y'all, thank God for unanswered prayers or what we thought would have been good for us. The Lord's like, no, 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 no. You don't see five years down the road. You don't see five days down the road. You don't see a year down the road, but, but God does. We were youth pastors in California, and I, I shared it with y'all. Like, we had a, a horrible experience leaving California, and just we were devastated, you know. It, and then it was like five or six years of just the worst season of our lives. And right after we left California, I was, I was so prideful just so prideful. Anybody ever been that just arrogant and prideful? I was just so arrogant. How many of you know your ability to talk about something is a sign that it's dead in your life? Right? If you're able to talk about it, you're probably not embarrassed and it's probably dead. I was so prideful. And I remember leaving going, we, I mean, we had interviews lined up almost immediately. We were flying all over the United States and 
at a place, a different place in California, a place in Texas, one of the churches would have been the absolute, like, perfect job for me, right? I was at that age where I'm like, you know, I could still do youth ministry because I'm still, like, young and cool, whatever. Kind of thought I was cool. No big deal. But I was so full of pride. And I can't say that enough. I was so full of pride. And I remember this church came up and we went and interviewed at this church. It was a church of like 14,000 people. And they had like, I don't know how many, 11 campuses or something. And I was interviewing for the executive student ministries pastor job. So I would have been a youth pastor to youth pastors. And I was just excited out of my mind. And, and the interview went great. It seemed to go great. I was like, this is it. I know it is. But really, if I'm being honest, it was me just trying to go, if I could get this job, everyone back there would know that I'm still okay. That I'm good. That I didn't need them. But I was really broken. And the reality is, I, I shared this with, I think I shared this story a while back, or not, well, a while. We've only been in church for a little while, right? But I shared this story, and, and I thought I knew what I wanted. I thought I knew what was best for me. I thought this was going to be great. But I'm going to tell you, we, we literally, we didn't get the job, obviously. And I was super confused. The way that I even found out I didn't get the job was dumb. It was like an email. By the way, we decided to go in a different direction. It's like, wow, couldn't even get a phone call, bro? Come on. But I remember being so rejected, feeling so, man, like, I just really thought that that was right. Then we watched the guy on social media, the guy they did hire, and they celebrated him, and it was like salt on an open wound. And then, you know, we continued looking for a job and eventually brought us to the place that was like the worst season of our lives, Albany, Georgia. And I will hate on Albany every chance I get because it's horrible. Amen? 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 <laughs> like they're from Albany. They know. They're here because it sucks, okay? Sorry. But let me listen. L listen to me. Let me just say this real quick. What I thought would have been the best for me, God understood that this is not what I have for you. And in actuality, it might look like it's the best thing, but in reality, what you need to do is go through a road to Damascus season where you get knocked off your donkey. Come on, somebody. Where I, the Lord says, you know what? You might be able to be prideful, but guess what? Pride comes before the what? Come on. Pride comes before the what? Fall. Crash, right? Bad. Not good. I was struggling to humble myself, so the Lord used a situation. He didn't humble me, but he used the situation. He allowed that situation to humble me. Do me a favor. Stand to your feet. Matthew 6, 31 says this. So do not consume yourselves with questions. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? This is so big. Y'all, if you are a believer, you are not an outsider. You are an insider. You have been welcomed in. The Bible says you've been adopted in. Outsiders make themselves frantic over such questions. They don't realize that your who? 
heavenly Father knows exactly what you need. So big. I just want to pray that right now every one of us would catch this verse and we would receive it as revelation, not just information. Because I'm telling you, it's true. You can take my word for it or figure it out. See it for yourself because it is true. Seek first. Everybody shout the word first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you. So do not worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about what's happening in our world. Listen to me. Be educated. But don't worry. Do you hear me? Worry produces fear. And being wisdom, having wisdom produces faith. But worry produces fear. Wisdom produces faith. Be wise, but don't worry. Don't worry about tomorrow. This is so big. Let tomorrow worry about itself. This is so massive. Lord, give us revelation of this right now. Living faithfully, faithfully is a large enough task for today. Look at me. He wants you to live faithfully. Live faithfully. And he will provide everything else that you need. Are we building our kingdom or are we building his kingdom? Come on, his kingdom. Do me a favor, close your eyes all over the room. Holy Spirit, you are definitely here. Lord, I'm praying that every person in this room will have the supernatural ability to become aware of your presence right now. Jesus wants to bring freedom to someone. The, the, the thing that I'm getting, just with everyone's eyes closed, but I'm just getting like a room inside of your head. And the enemy has been living in that room rent-free. He's just living in that space and he's consuming your life with worry. And Jesus wants to set you free right now. The presence of God is here right now. He wants to set you free. Holy Spirit, move right now. Bring freedom to my friends.